The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights. I'm your host, Olivia Parr-Rood. Each week on Quantum Business Insights, I explore the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the globe. My hope is that through deep dialogue and inquiry, we'll discover new approaches and perspectives that can help us all be more successful in our business. I especially want to draw attention to those systems and processes that take advantage of what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. The topic for today's show is the organizational ecosystem, mapping complexity to adaptability. To offer a little context, last week we were looking at how the business landscape has changed over the last 20 to 30 years. And I think you'll agree that one of the most dramatic changes is the level of complexity in business as well as in life in general. And sometimes that can leave us with a feeling like things are out of control. And to some extent they are. But the good news is there's, there are ways to manage complexity and even use it to our advantage. It just takes a slightly different perspective. So today my guest is Denise Easton. Denise is an entrepreneur, consultant, and CEO who has worked extensively across the corporate, public, and education sectors. She brings multi-industry experience and expertise in business management, product development, network and knowledge systems, and strategic innovation. Denise co-founded Complexity Space Consulting, where her research and work focuses on helping clients build adaptive, innovative, and financially successful programs and products by understanding and influencing the dynamics within complex systems. The complexity framework was developed as a business application model for complex system analysis, business process improvement, organizational design, development, and change. Denise also co-founded and serves as CEO of Adapt Knowledge, a leading knowledge management firm focused on the strategic integration of technology-enhanced learning and development for organizations. Denise, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Thank you, Olivia. I'm delighted to be here and to have this conversation today. And you really did hit on what we think is probably the most fundamental opportunity and concurrently the most fundamental challenge that organizations have today, which is within their human capital. Thank you. So I really like this concept of the complexity space. It feels like a container for managing what we might think of as the unmanageable, so to speak. In other words, we're talking about the increase in complexity and how it can leave us feeling like things are out of control. What is the complexity space 
and how can I use it to be more successful? Uh, that is a question that could keep us um, here in this conversation for a lifetime. But what um, what the complexity space emerged from was our desire to look at a way to understand and influence the construct of operating in a world in which complex human organizational systems dominate. And that's a lot of words. <laughs> but um, I'd like to start with maybe a, a comparison and a metaphor. <laughs> we have two different ways to operate. One is as a mechanic. And we've used this um, repeatedly because mechanics are very competent at what they do. And we need to have mechanics in our world. And we need to be able to not only build and change and replace the parts within machines, but we need to have that infrastructure exist. But our organizations cannot only be served by the mechanics. They also have to understand and be served by gardeners who are working in a complex environment, an environment where they can know things, but they can't know everything. So both known knowns and known unknowns, and then the inevitable unknown unknowns exist. So in a garden, we can plant, we can fertilize, we can really be very scientific um, on the zones in which we're going to be gardening, the plants we're going to be putting in there, how often they should be watered. But something can happen and inevitably something will happen. There's a huge storm or there's some type of a bug or infection or blight that occurs. But at the same time, we recognize that we will be persistent in looking at what our opportunities are. So in the complexity space, we like to think, what can we do to innovate, to grow and succeed when both the future is unknown and potentially unknowable? Does that make sense to you? <laughs> yeah, and I really like that metaphor because I guess when you think about the garden, you're you're sort of creating a space and fertilizing it and planting it, but you really don't have total control over what comes out of it. Is sort of what you're saying. It sounds like <laughs> exactly. And um, so so based so based on that premise, um, I also like to share with with you and the audience um, both a recognition and an absolutely deep imperative and belief in the fact that we need to have you know traditional linear processes when we're looking at a total organization and again this goes back to a complexity construct we live in a world where everything is there all the time. So like the mechanics and gardeners, they both work together and they're both necessary when creating an environment that's going to be healthy and sustainable for everybody. Organizations need to be able to do a process. We need to be able to have um, you know, a deliverable to the bottom line. But at the same time, we need to have the systems and models and the opportunity to allow everyone within the organization to respond in a nonlinear way. And this is where the complexity space, I think, actually starts to make more sense, certainly to our clients. So what we tell them and how we work at it is that it's the understanding and influencing what you need to do. There's going to be no organization that's going to be completely unstructured, but there are opportunities to look at how can you operate in this organizational construct where you have structure and unstructure, where you have deeply constrained and rule-oriented behaviors, and you have 
innovation in chaos. And from complexity science, there's this beautiful middle ground that complex adaptive systems wants to create. And this is where everything exists all the time. In a complex adaptive system, you have both the unknown and the known, the chaos and the, and the structure, the order and the disorder. And being able to find that sort of happy medium, I think there's, um, you know, think of a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Think of a place where there's emerging possibilities. Think of um, being adaptive and agile. And these are all words that are being used in current business publications on a frequent and regular basis. And complexity allows you to leverage the energy that's created between this, you know, I think of it as a percolating pot of innovation and ideas that have not quite yet formed, the structures that we know that do work, and to find this place where you can take both of them and find a better path forward. Well, that makes a lot of sense because when we were speaking last week about how business has changed One of the things that's happened is a lot of those linear processes, those rule-based processes have been automated or outsourced. So it's almost become that much more important to look at this nonlinear kind of complexity space to really stay competitive. This, to me, is where the advantage is. So what are some of the ways that you help companies to look at their business? Um, You talk about the organizational ecosystem. What are some of the aspects of that that can be helpful for businesses? Thank you for asking about that. Um, We have, and and again, I... I think one of the challenges we have in this, you know, in this field is to translate the terms that we use very freely. So the conversations that you and I have, Olivia, we we can we can get very much into sort of the complexity science geek talk very quickly. Yeah. Um, so at any point, please feel free to ask me to translate. But what um, but what I really hope that that this conversation will help folks is to understand that there's a different way to look at what already exists and it's a different lens and there's some words that we use quite frequently um and we use you know ad- adaptability the concept of of organizing and self-organizing we um we also consider patterns and so patterns is where we I want to begin the conversation so all organizations have an ecosystem and from a scientific perspective we know what ecosystems are it's sort of the environment in which we thrive or die or grow and healthy ecosystems um, comp- continually have influences and information, um, new things being brought into the ecosystem. So if you had an ecosystem that had nothing from the outside to ever come in and nothing from the inside ever go out, ultimately it would shrivel up and die. And so what you want to do is you want to be able to have the air and, and, you know, water and things happening. Good things and bad things, and um, but that what, that's what keeps an ecosystem alive and vibrant. So, from an organizational ecosystem, what we really wanted to do was to look at how could we talk about this in a way that seemed true and useful. How could we create both the um, awareness and also the um, conversation that would allow any organization to really understand what's happening in their organization as they start to make change or um, have new initiatives. 
So one example is we have three different areas, which is a new way to think about how do you look at your organization. And again, this will go back to some terms I've already used. We have history, context, and culture. And the history is the organizational systems, traditions, their milestones. Every organization, no matter how old or young it is, has a history. And that history is part of who they are. There's a pattern. So if we know that every 4th of July, the organization gets together for a company picnic, it's part of the pattern of how they've always done things and how they intend to do things in the future. So there's an experience and there's expectations. Context is the surroundings in which the organizational system operates. And this is where we can't live in an isolated environment, even if we choose to. So for in Japan, when there was the um, tsunami, which was such a horrible thing, everybody felt that they were able to control what was going to happen within the nuclear power environment. I mean, all the systems were in place. There was a history, there was experience, there was expectations. But all of a sudden, something really dramatically significant happened that they had not prepared for. I mean, people didn't think that there was ever going to be an environmental experience that was going to literally throw out the nuclear power plant and then all the subsequent um, impact on people, environments, business, etc. Mm-hmm. But we can't operate, um, you know, in an isolated environment. And the surroundings will, in an ecosystem, impact what happens. Right. Then we have the culture. And this is, this is the, in my mind, this is that beautiful, messy place, which is where leadership and influence comes in. We may talk about that later. But the culture is who and what the organization is at its core. So as we start to have these conversations, we, we then begin to introduce and help organizations um, recognize that these deeply embedded patterns in an organization and understanding these dimensions allows for um, a greater awareness and I, we call it precision in creating the opportunities for change. And within the ecosystem, the patterns that exist, and we can think of these as behaviors, they're always present, and they operate at multiple layers simultaneously. So they operate in all divisions. They operate even when you leave work. They're not immediately visible. Um, This is another uh, complexity um, sort of construct. They're not visible, but they exist. And because they exist, they're impacting what happens, some of the outcomes. And they aren't necessarily predictably influenced because they're so deep, they're so core to who the organization is. The inputs and outputs are not proportional. (laughs) So despite the fact that I may try to change something, all the time, I may not be able to guarantee that the um, end output is going to be proportional to how much effort I put into the input. So that's a, a lot of information there. And I, um, I'd i really like to perhaps uh, dig into it a little bit, but we, we're up on a break. So when we come back, let's, let's talk about how we can actually use those. What are some of the things we can do in business to, uh, to flesh out and actually leverage those those three dimensions or those uh, three areas of the ecosystem. So we'll be right back. When 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for information purposes only. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are tuned in to quantum business insights with olivia parr rood to reach the program with questions or comments please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com that's show at oliviagroup.com Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Welcome back. I'm here with Denise Easton of the Complexity Space. And before the break, we were talking about the three dimensions of an organizational ecosystem, the history, the the, uh, context, and the culture. And Denise, um, tell me a little bit about how we might influence those three dimensions and make them work for us to be more successful in our business. That's really the core question that everybody has. Okay, we have these things now. What do we do with them? Um, and we and I think the the first one, and you had mentioned this when you were um, introducing the show, was creating an opportunity for inquiry and understanding what the organization's structural framework is is really critical to being able to start to shift them. And as I'd said before the break, these are really deep structures. And I think of it as building the house. Um, you know, you don't tear the house down easily, but you can begin to, over time, and specifically understanding that it is a complex adaptive environment, you can begin over time to start to shift these very core ecosystem patterns. And the next level of how you do it is really what I call the operational day-to-day work that is currently being done in an organization. And by shifting what you want your outcomes to be, you can start to shift 
the deeper patterns. So we call these levers. Um, you know, again, it's a matter of trying to translate complexity terminology mm-hmm. to the human systems and the behavior that we all know within the organizations without saying, oh, here's the newest flavor of the month and mm-hmm. our work is better than others. Because what it is is just a different lens, a new way to look at how you can start to influence what's happening in the organization. And this is this is where we can take take a goal and an objective and we can say how can you move from where you are now to where you want to go. And so before I talk about the specific levers, what I'd like to introduce is this concept of having in the organizational ecosystem, having a landscape. So if we think of you know the X and Y axis graph. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's a visual that everyone's familiar with. Right. And we think of the lower left-hand corner as the current state, where you are now. And in um, complexity speak, um, that lower left-hand corner is where you are close to predictability and close to consequence. So those are the behaviors where you want people, the status quo behaviors, where you want to be able to predict and know what your outcomes are going to be. So if I'm working a, um, you know, an airport and I'm in, um, you know, traffic control, I'd like to know that my procedures, that how I operate, the people who are up there are really in that lower left-hand corner. Mm-hmm. Um, the upper right-hand corner, if you think again of this graph, could be more of a mutation space, could be the place where you um, would like to be able to have there be very few rules and regulations. And the patterns that are merging there are constantly changing. It's innovation, it's disruption, and those are all terms that people are pretty familiar with. And that unknown space is where weird things happen and it's very messy. Mm -hmm. There's a middle space and that middle space is where most organizations want to be. And again, I'm going back to what we had discussed earlier. It's this sort of self-organizing space. This is where emerging information is happening, where we're experimenting, we're trying new things, where we may be really shifting patterns, but it hasn't shifted so significantly that it's gone down into that lower left-hand corner where those deep, deep, deep patterns are. So we look at this as a status quo area in the lower left-hand corner, this mutation, exciting space. And then really in that upper right-hand corner, a place where there's almost no rules. There's lots of innovation. There's lots of risk-taking. There's lots of failure, but at the same time, there's possible successes. If you think of this landscape diagram as your organization and you want to be able to start to shift these patterns and behaviors and tactical actions. So again, it's not just, you know, we want people to act differently. We want our organization to think differently. You really want the bottom line results because if you can't have the, you know, the deliverables, then what is what is the real purpose of the organization, even if it's not specifically manufacturing a product. So we like to uncover what we call sort of higher level patterns and allow there to be attention on these levers. So these levers, these these actions that people can take, very specific actions, can be assessed, they can be prioritized, and then they can be shifted to move towards more results. 
Okay. So, and these are four areas that I actually think people are already doing in the organization, but by increasing this understanding and awareness, we can bring the level of current behavior to a point where it's more integrated into the overall context, culture, and history of the organization. So the four areas are connections, and this is creating and expanding new intersections of people, ideas, and resources. Think of network. Think of um, internal, um, you know, social social networks and organizations. A new connection is we're reaching out to our customers in different ways. We're allowing people to contribute to ideas on a regular basis and to experiment with those ideas. We're bringing different people into different conversations. So to some extent, we're flattening how we do our projects and business, and we're looking for the opportunity to have a diversity, and that's the second one, of creating and embracing differences. And differences Mm -hmm. in a complex environment mean it's not the same thing. It is not a pejorative or negative. You want difference. And as I had mentioned before about an ecosystem, a biological ecosystem, if it's completely closed off and there is no diversity or new information or new things coming into the ecosystem, it will ultimately entropy and die. So you want that diversity of ideas, questions, disruption, Mm. messy things that don't necessarily completely conform or fit into a pattern. But at the same time, they're bringing up new opportunities. And then that brings us to experiments. And experiments allows us to incent curiosity, intelligent risk-taking, and learning. And from my perspective, it's that's really at the core of working within complex human systems. The experiments give us ways in which the individuals within the system feel that they can be rewarded and offered opportunities for bringing what they know to an organization. And um, as a, a really interesting sort of uh, comment about that was there was a paper that was recently um, recently released by Gartner on you know what the Apple iPad and other mobile devices mean for collaboration planners and there were several things within that paper that go exactly into the concept of experiments um, they talked about the fact that workers were initially bringing their mobile devices to work and working sort of in you know, secretively, because it was more because it was more efficient. Um, the official enterprise didn't support what they were doing, and they were taking their work and finding a time, place, software that they could do things better outside of the organization. That's fascinating, isn't that fascinating? It's a great. I'm, I'm happy to send you the link for it to share with the audience. Please, yes. And then. What they did was they started to, a a certain group said, well, can we all use our iPads at work? And they were then able to bring it to customers and they started to, you know, begin to develop proprietary applications that were based on work needs that were, again, outside of the enterprise. Wow. And so all of a sudden you have a lot of this experimentation happening, um, really intelligent risk-taking because they want to do their jobs better. No one wants to fail. Mm-hmm. And an incredible, 
incredible amount of learning. So if you think of this, and I, I won't go any more into the article, but you've got, you've got the idea of what it says, it, the key is for the organization to start to really embrace and recognize this. And it's not, it's not easy. So anybody who's out there, um, you know, it's really hard. But it begin, you can begin to see how it could shift a pattern of behavior. And if you say, hey, we, we really want to create different kinds of connections. We really want intelligent risk-taking. And how are people learning? What are they doing? Mm. And, this bring, uh, and this brings us um, to the fourth one, which I think might be a really wonderful one to sort of look at in the next in the next segment so yeah. i will um stop right now okay well so yes and i wanted to um actually comment on a couple of the other points so we'll be back from the break in a few minutes thanks when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Business owners, do you run your business or does your business run you? Put yourself on the road to success by tuning in to Success Unchained with hosts Anthony and Julie McGloin. At last, discover how to overcome your biggest challenges, take control of your business, and achieve the results you've always dreamed of. Find out how with our resident master business coach and world-class guest experts. Transform the nine key areas of your business and unchain your true potential. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Our workplace is dynamically changing. How do you stay ahead of the curve with respect to learning and training? Tune in every week to The Future of Workforce Learning and Development with host Pamela Robinson. You'll learn about real-world strategies, solutions, and resources that will showcase these changes and keep you ready for what's next. The Future of Workforce Learning and Development is heard live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, this is Olivia, and I'm here with my guest, Denise Easton from the Complexity Space. And before the break, she was talking about the different ecosystem levers that we could use to actually create change and benefit from this organizational ecosystem model. And so, Denise, you mentioned um, the uh, connection and, uh, and 
how important that is. And, and I was thinking that there's probably challenges within some companies that perhaps don't have good connection. And so uh, I'm thinking some older, more siloed companies would have a harder time with this. Has that been true in your experience? Um, it, 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 of course. Um, <laughs> bec- and I think it's, you know, there's another term that I often use. There's no naughty and there's no nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that there's not a good or a bad way to do something. And clearly, if it's working, um, you know, bravo. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it isn't always working, and it's not working for all the reasons that I think there's probably not a single person in an organization, even if they aren't in a business organization, that don't feel the impact of you know escalating information, um, shifts in how people want to do things, how they are being demanded to to deliver different items, um, information, products, services. You know, the old adage of a 24-7 world is now being even exacerbated beyond that because it's a 24-7 world where we're supposed to know everything that happened in the past and we're supposed to be able to predict everything that's going to happen in the future. And um, so, you know, a silo is is you know an opportunity to have very constricted very regulated types of information and exchanges but inevitably and I'm not in a position to predict when and most CEOs of companies cannot predict when there is going to be enough impact enough diversity influences things happening to the organization that that silo is going to get broken down. Mm-hmm. So I like to think of this as, um, you know, an imagery that we often use is of a sand pile. And so each time you put a grain of sand on the sand pile, it will start to build and build and build and build. And then at some point, one grain mm-hmm. will sort of dissipate the whole structure. Um, you know, that's been referred to as tipping points Mm -hmm. um it's you know goes back to the concept of in the organization you don't necessarily have proportional inputs and outputs so i may be dropping those pieces of sand trying to change something and nothing's happening and all of a sudden the whole structure changes and so we can't ignore just the dynamics of what's happening around us, um, you know, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and all the ways that we communicate are news, new ways of having those connections. And within, with each connection, there's a possibility of a new idea. There's a possibility of several drops of sand or grains of sand being put onto a structure until those connections, those ideas start to tip what we do. Um, you know, normal examples that we all know are what happen when, you know, there's an isolated event or seemingly isolated event in another part of the world, but then all of a sudden hundreds and hundreds of thousands or millions of Twitter feeds pick it up. Mm. Um, or one picture that is shared can change how people are reacting and responding. Whole regimes have come down because of that. So why would organizations think that they couldn't or wouldn't be affected by it? So yes, connections, I think, are, are the one that's most easily identifiable with our media networked connected world that we live in. But at the same time, I think that, you know, 
the diversity of the ideas, being able to embrace when someone has an idea or a connection that may not seem to have been part of the original structure, mm-hmm. um, it's an organization can really leverage this. It's a, it's a it's a wonderful way in which to bring at a very low cost new new thoughts and perspectives into that organization, and. Then what we're doing to just go back to before we move forward is this concept of being able to shift these patterns. And the beauty of the levers of these very small sort of grains of sand actions, if you may, mm-hmm. is that these things are always present. And again, they're always operating at multiple levels, but you can pull them. You can take a lever and you can shift it a little bit and you can modify it directly. So it's not so deeply embedded that you can't take the Titanic and shift it around. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be very easily measured. If you said to a group, what I'd really like you to do is to think of how you can connect to everybody else in the organization and outside the organization. And in two weeks, put out some questions and see what kind of responses you get. Hmm. Yeah, and I was thinking also, we mentioned diversity again, that companies that are, are newer maybe have many more cultures or, or ages or different specialized skills within their company. So there'd be a lot more diversity in that way. Uh, and I've also heard about companies just having people change roles. So, for example, I worked for a credit card bank where they actually took the chief marketing officer and they made him the chief risk officer and they made the chief risk officer the chief marketing officer. So they both had a real perspective for the other person's responsibilities and brought in that, I think, like a diverse point of view to really stimulate and it worked really well. Oh, absolutely. And that's a wonderful way of what I would consider doing an experiment of learning of intelligent risk taking. I mean the chief marketing officer and the chief you know risk officer at that point they have such a deep knowledge base that shifting them is is really an intelligent risk taking. But it does push them outside of, you know, outside of their patterns of behavior and um you know, I think that there were probably moments that was pretty scary, but at the same time, think of the you know the tremendous learning and the ability to have these new ways of looking looking at what the opportunities were, mm-hmm. and I I would applaud any organization who who would do that and who can do it in a way where they understand that you're going to incent individuals for taking these risks and that there is no there's no naughty there's no ni- no nice mm-hmm. that there really is looking at what's best for the organization on an overall basis which is interesting because there was another article as I was doing research which is such a great opportunity to look at what was happening out there and um this week in the leadership um, section of Forbes, there was a great article about why Apple investors should worry. So um, I love Apple. Mm-hmm. Just oper- you know, down- download the new operating system on my iPhone. But what they were talking about, and I think this goes back to what we were discussing um, last week, was the fact that at some point in time, if the organization gets too comfortable mm. and recognizes that they need to sustain who they are, ecosystem patterns, yeah. what they deliver, and what they've done in the past without 
truly recognizing that they cannot keep themselves immune from what's happening around them, you go back to the concept of Apple was a perfect is a perfect example, and a lot of people are just you know up in arms with, you know, we came to expect something that you're not even meeting the pattern that you used to have, and what are the things that as a leader what's happening within the organization at the highest levels that's squelching some of that sort of innovative, creating things that people don't know what they want yet Hmm. in the organization. Yeah, I would think you could even look at these levers, and I know we haven't touched on all of them yet, but um, as a way to value a company, that if they're doing these well, even though you may not know what they're going to have going on in a year or two, for, if I were looking to invest, that, those are the things I'd probably care about. Um, I think it's, that's terrific. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but um, you're absolutely right, Olivia. Um, and maybe even within organizations, as you're looking to expand or um, start new initiatives, do you have the, within that group you know, the opportunities to have ways to look at this as a complex adaptive process. I mean, I think agile software does that really beautifully. Mm -hmm. They look at, we have an expectation, but at the same time, we recognize that we, we don't absolutely know what the end product is going to be as we start the product. Right. That, and to me, that's fun, but I, I've had to work at letting go of always, being attached to outcomes, <laughs> especially in business and, you know, and to some extent in my life. Um, but I do, I think if you've got these core principles and these ways to evaluate you, you do well. And I wanted to, we're almost up on a break, but I just wanted to touch on the idea of this experiment area or when you were talking about the, the XY graph. So at the very bottom is, or the bottom left corner is where you absolutely need certainty. And I often think about this, I'm a statistician, so I know that if I'm looking at whether a marketing program is more powerful than another one, I might be fine with 90% certainty or 95% certainty is sort of typical in business. But if I'm Testing something in medicine, I may want 99% or, you know, like your airline example is a a great one that we really don't want a a very high risk of error. So uh, I love this idea of an area within the, uh, the organization that can take ideas and bring them in and maybe even just test and experiment and get comfortable with the level of risk before rolling it out. So we're up about to take a break and what I want to do when we come back is talk about the fourth lever which I already know what it is but I'll wait and let you introduce that when we return from the break so stay tuned From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? 
Learn how at the American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, this is Olivia, and I'm here with my guest, Denise Easton of the Complexity Space. And before the break, we were talking about the organizational ecosystems and the levers that you can use to manage change in the ecosystem. And we were getting to, we talked about connection, experiments, and diversity, and we saved my favorite for last. So, Denise, can you talk about the fourth lever for managing your ecosystem? Thank you, Olivia. We call it influence ship. And I want to qualify the fact that I'm not just creating a new word or new term (laughs) um, to replace what everybody knows, but we think that it is really significantly different than leadership. And I began the conversation with what the complexity space offers is a way to understand and to influence what happens and changes within the organization, to understand patterns and then influence the changes or the shifting of the patterns. And influence ship allows us to re-envision the role of leadership as practiced by everyone. Mm. And I think that's the key. It's as practiced by everyone. Um, they're just, you know, unbelievably wonderful conversations and articles and books that, you know, if we have good leaders, if there's a way that a leader can sort of start to, um, you know, take the complexity, that word is often used when they talk about leaders of an organization, and help them um, reach an end goal, then, you know, the organization is going to be successful. More management training is being used on leadership and employee development with the goal of them being leaders than on more traditional types of skill-based training, and which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And part of it is, is that um, 
we want to make sure that we can have experience and expectations aligned. Mm-hmm. And leaders are, you know, often put in a position where they, sh- they, you know, they're the people who are going to tell us how to do this. And, and I, I, these are very broad comments. <laughs> so, so I always feel like, oh my, um, you know, a thousand or 10,000 people out there are going to vote. We don't do it that way. Um, and, and lots of great leaders exist out there. But if you look at a complex adaptive system, one of the things that is really core within the human systems is that each individual person has the freedom and will act independently. And so the question you have is even if a leader, and remember there's some wonderful ways they cannot control everything that happens in their sphere of influence Mm -hmm. and they um, cannot always lead a hundred percent of the people in the in the organization and things will inevitably happen outside of their control and so whether they direct change and shift actions they how can you best do that how can you best reach whatever that next stage of development is we think it's something called Influenceship. Well, before you go into that, I just want to say too that I am trained as an analyst and I saw years ago that people did not really understand some of the stuff I was producing. So I might create models that help people influence how they market or how they approve risk or, or man, in manufacturing or pharmaceuticals or energy, the energy sector. So what I got was that I had to start almost leading them and understanding their business so that I could almost guide them as to where these things could work, uh, where they are, are not, should not be used. And it was great when I saw a quote by Thornton May of the IT Academy. He said, it's not that we need to teach our leaders to understand analytics. We need to teach our analysts how to understand and become leaders or something to that effect. Love so that. It really speaks to you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and and start and give the analyst, interestingly enough, the opportunity to share and influence what's happening within the organization. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So that you know, with when you think of influence, and you know, just you know, here, so I was looking up some of the you know varying varying definitions that exist out there, um, and it's the capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something. Mm, that's great great you know it's to have an effect to be able to provide information to create a new connection to engage in intelligent risk taking and to have meaningful differences be brought to light that's Mm. all influence the act or power of producing an effect without apparent exertion so by the nature of the work that i'm doing how i engage with people how i um bring my unknown or, or sort of secretive iPad to work with me so that I can do my job better, this will, I'm influencing what the end outcomes are going to be, what the results are going to be. And if you look at it as an opportunity for everyone 
to have an opportunity to influence what they're doing in a transparent and meaningful way, then you're going to have an opportunity to have the organization benefit. And there are always going to be things that are going to happen that are not going to fit within or align within the organization. But when something dramatic happens, it's not going to be because you're uncovering these sort of secretive patterns that have sort of started to emerge, you know, within oh. within sort of closed contained contained areas. So it goes back to the landscape that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. If we want that middle area, that self-organizing area, the possibility space, if you may, things that are emerging and they are knowable. We may not know them completely, but they are knowable. That's where you can influence things. Mm-hmm. In the lower, lower left-hand corner again, um, that's not necessarily, you can influence things, but guess what? Everything, almost all the questions have been answered and almost all of the answers um, are known and we've built systems and processes around them. Right. And then in the upper corner, um, yeah, we can influence what we're doing there, but it's so filled with rapid changes that even the things that we do and the impacts we have will be escalated to a point where it may not filter into the overall organization. But well, we- in... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say we have about three minutes left. And so it, um, finish your thought and then maybe share a company that you know that's doing this really well, if you will. Oh, that's a, there are lots of companies doing this very well. Um, I think that the, I, I think that we need to look at, you know, technology companies, certainly, um, you know, newer biotech companies, uh, any of our social media companies are doing it because they're right in, you know, they're right in that <laughs> self-organizing, information-changing-driven area. And they're being given iPads at work, probably. <laughs> and they're, begin, they're being given iPads at work. And they're being allowed, to some extent, to, um, to draw from what's happening around them, between them, at all levels of the organization, internally and externally. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, there clearly there are lots of you know very large traditional companies that are still serving their processes and are looking at how can they you know better serve their customers and their employees and you know they're general electric i think procter and gamble i mean you think of those as very you know entrenched embedded deeply set organizations but they are changing and they wouldn't be servicing and developing the products and you know uh, ancillary support services around them that everybody is using if they weren't allowing there to be some, you know, sort of creative input and a more complex view of what's happening. But can I tell you what they are going to do in five years from now? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, that, that's a big unknown, I guess, for a lot of companies. Absolutely, and we hope that we hope that what happens, what we need, is this you know continual opportunity to evaluate and reassess who we are as an organization and what we need to do, and make sure that the stakes, the personal stakes of well, if we don't do it this way, my career, my job is not going to be here anymore. If we, as an organization, can recognize that what we need to do is we need to be able to tap into the talent of the individuals and find out ways to let that be expressed in whatever the structure of the new emerging organization is. Oh, so that goes back to the importance of the people and how 
how well they can communicate, but also perhaps who they are and if they have, say, creative talents or uh, abilities to really, I, to use the old phrase, think outside of the box. That sounds like it'd be very important. Absolutely. It's that messy, beautiful culture. And <laughs> it's what, you know, it's what the human capital brings. It's really, as I said before, I think it's the most challenging and the most opportunistic opportunity any organization has. We are not machines, but we are gardens. Right. And it's where I think once we get comfortable, it's where we have the most fun. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Well, so thank you. It looks like we're just about out of time. And so, Denise, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. I do hope you'll come back and see us again. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Olivia. This has just been a a delight. And I hope that we've been able to influence some people to think about what opportunities they have differently. Yeah, I think we have. So thanks. So next week, we're going to explore a topic near and dear to my heart. And what we've mentioned a few times today already is human capital analytics. And so there's a a book, Human Capital Analytics, How to Harness the Potential of Your Organization's Greatest Asset. And my guest will be Gene Pease, one of the authors of that book. So be sure to check my host page on voiceamerica.com for full details. I'm your host, Olivia Parood. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 